Ian, my friend, how's it going? Listen, I know we said we'd do the podcast this week, but I thought we could relax in these hammocks. Um, I've got you one. I'm sitting here. I've got myself uh, an iced tea. I'm trying it. Uh, it's all right. It could be a little bit warmer, though. Um, so I thought uh, we could just um, relax and chill. What, what do you think, man? I mean, there's no news going uh, on. I mean, I'd, I'd love to relax and chill and, and drink your nice iced tea, but didn't we do this last week? What are you talking about, man? I... No. Well, last fortnight, I guess. No, we, I'm, no, we I'm didn't. Sh- I'm la- sure we've had this conversation before. I've got this bizarre sense of deja vu. Well, I, I don't see why, because because nothing's happening in the board game industry. So I thought we'd just take some time off and just relax. Is that the alarm? It, uh, it's what an alarm? Uh, that, I, that, that, that noise? The, the news alarm? I, I haven't heard uh, that before. I, mean, I just installed it. We've definitely heard this before. Ian, are you alright? I'm honestly not sure. Look, my phone's pinging. There's all sorts of things happening. We've got to get in the studio. Again. Okay, you go and set that up. For the same thing as last time? Uh, this you, is all very strange. Okay, you, you go and set that up. I'll uh, I'll stay in this hammock for now, and I'll just read this headline, or the headlines, or the, this intro, to, um, to the void. I don't know. Is that okay? Well, I've been Ian McAllister, I guess. And I'm Jamie Adams, I, I think. Uh, still am, uh, and this is Brainwaves episode seventy-seven. Oh, it is. Oh, it is another episode. Uh, this is Brainwaves episode seventy-seven, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the twelfth of July, twenty twenty-one. TSR sits in its burning house and says, "This is fine." Game Manufacturers Association rebuilds, and conventions COVID conundrum. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Jamie, I've worked it out why everything feels like last time on the podcast, because we're talking about TSR once more. Yes, last time on Brainways episode 76, we reported on the re-emergence of TSR or tactical study rules under the guidance of Ernest Gary Gygax Jr. Now, just a little reminder that tactical studies rules were the original publishers of Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. That company the new TSR under under Ernest Gary Gygax Jr., proceeded to burn a trail across social media, being horrible to all sorts of people and generally making fools out of themselves. Over the last fortnight, the hits have just kept on coming. Shortly after we recorded episode 76, Luke Gygax, responsible for GaryCon and TSRGames.com, not TSR.Games, which is the new company, calling itself TSR, posted this to Twitter. Also, basically jacking the TSR logo from Jason Elliott, the bombastic press releases and claims to old IP, making a quick nostalgia money grab based on my father's name and not much else, so I'm making it clear I don't like the style and I have zero to do with TSR. Which is pretty clear. Also, an account for Giantlands, the game that the new TSR under Ernest Gary Gygax will be producing, responded to discussion on Twitter about trans rights and representation in games with the phrase, you are disgusting. In the meantime... TSR Games, the non-burning-everything-down company, put out a statement saying, Clearing up confusion about an interview that has been making the rounds, we are a different company than the one using the old TSR logos. Let me say, unequivocally, Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, science is real, kindness is everything. Signed, Jason. That statement is from Jason Elliott, one of the people behind TSR Games. In order to prevent any further confusion, they have now rebranded as Solarian Games. So for the next bit of this article, when we say TSR, we mean the new company that has is sitting in its burning house. 
There are way too many other strange things to mention here over this TSR debacle, but we're going to try and summarize them briefly here and we'll provide as many links to images and tweets and the like as we can in the show notes. So, TSR, that's the new company and Ernest Gary Gygax, not the old company that has rebranded as Solarian Games, remember, who seem to be a nice folks and seem to be producing some very nice things. So, the new TSR, they claim that they established Gen Con. That's not true. That was partly Gary Gygax before TSR was even a, a company. They evoked the Satanic Panic, a period in American history where there was a moral panic that kids were being inducted into Satanism by, amongst other things, role-playing games. They were basically trying to say that they were being persecuted. Ernie Gygax failed to apologise on Twitter for everything that's been going on. A Facebook group called Old School TSR Games reported that TSR had threatened legal action. These actions were threatened by Justin Lanassa, the other co-founder of the new company, TSR. Solarian Games said they would be licensing nothing from TSR. Gen Con on Origins said that TSR was not exhibiting or attending in any professional capacity. Ernest Gygax posted a thing about being bullied and having wished that he had a Thompson 45 to, and I quote, wipe away some of those laughs from the jocks that were bullying him. TSR announced that they'd be selling NFT art, and we've talked about this a few casts ago, uh, non-fungible tokens. So uh, check back to that episode, we'll put a link to it in the show notes again. From an artist that had disavowed them. TSR employed a new PR person who seemed to do two tweets, then disappear. We're going to come back to that. A parody account has been set up in their name because this is the internet, and of course it has. Ernest Gary Gygax and one of his co-founders, Stephen Deinhardt, disappeared off Twitter, closing their accounts. And finally, they rebranded TSR to Wonderfilled. And this has removed the TSR Twitter account as well, so some of the evidence we share will be images captured from those Twitter accounts when they were still active. So if you're keeping count, we have now gone from two TSRs to none. Or have we? Just before we came on... The fine folks at Geek Native, and thank you very much to all their hard work over the course of this amazing series of stories, reported that the situation hasn't ended with disappearance of TSR because it's back again again. From that article, a statement from Michael K. Hovermail, the new public relations officer for TSR. TSR has replaced the individual that was serving as both social media manager and information technology manager for TSR and the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum. This individual was also the social media manager for Giantlands, Justin Lanaza, and Ernie Gygax. All posts on all social media accounts for TSR and Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum should be considered invalid. All posts on all social media accounts of Justin Lanaza and Ernie Gygax should be considered invalid. TSR is in the process of recovering the social media accounts of TSR, the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum, and the personal Twitter accounts of Justin Lanaza and Ernie Gygax. There's also a quote from Ernie Gygax in this article where he says, I wish to speak directly to the transgender community regarding this incident. The individual who is speaking to you on Twitter does not represent me or TSR in any way. Trans people are always welcome to play with us. Everyone is welcome at our table. They are in the process of trying to re-establish the TSR name. Words actually fail me at this point, because they have burned so many bridges, burned their own house down while sitting in it, and now they're basically claiming that, that a big boy did it and ran away. I just, I just don't... What? 
Just what? I know last time I, um, some say it was passion. Some, predominantly me, would say I went off on one. Uh, I don't really It was have, glorious. I don't really have, I don't know about glorious. It's slightly embarrassing, I think, for me. Uh, I don't have any anger for this. I'm just. It's just bewilderment. Uh, for me, it's bewilderment at this point. It's. It is, it is what, it is what it is. And that is all it can and will be. I mean, we will absolutely bring you more updates on this, but it's like I could almost believe, like, if they said like all the social media accounts for like the company and the games that they were producing were under one person, I could sort of buy that. But when you say the individual personal accounts of some of the people involved were also under that person, that's where you sort of lose me. Because just no way. And also, let's not forget that a lot of this was kicked off by Ernie Gygax himself on video saying some very strange things in an interview. And unless he was being puppeted around by someone, that was definitely him saying things that were not good. Just astonishing. Listen, we don't... Well... We have to because it is the news, and that is, you know, that is a part of, I was going to say our job, but part of what we do here. Part of me really doesn't want to cover this much more, that this will continue to go on, and probably on a little bit more, uh, and it's giving oxygen of publicity to people who maybe don't deserve it for a certain number of reasons. But we'll have to see what happens because this is the news. But yeah, I mean, sometimes bad stuff happens in the hobby, and part of our job here at Brainwaves is to call that out. But sometimes good stuff happens in the hobby. Jamie, what's happening in Gamma? Gamma, the Games Manufacturers Association, has had indeed an interesting year, let's say, with several conventions cancelled, uh, their response to Black Lives Matter protests from last year, which wasn't the greatest, I'm going to be very generous in saying. They're going to try and do something about the makeup of the organisation after a significant restructure was voted through with 93% approval. The new structure means that there will be six voting groups in future, with each group electing a director to represent them on the board. And those groups are creators, media and events, productions, publishers, retailers and wholesalers. Now Mark Diaz Truman from Magpie Games, and who is the Gamma Diversity and Inclusion Committee Chair, said this, Last year, our industry faced what seemed to be an endless cascade of challenges. A global pandemic cancelled our conventions and shut down most retailers, while a much-needed call for racial justice prompted many in our industry to re-examine how little had been done to make the hobby games industry a diverse and inclusive community. Sometimes it felt like a decade of history was being slammed into a single challenging year. While Gamma tried to meet those challenges and support Gamma's membership, it was clear in June of 2020 that on issues of diversity and inclusion, especially regarding racial justice, Gamma was still falling short. Specifically, Gamma appeared to waffle on supporting the Black Lives Matter protests, alienating many partners and allies, and then ultimately cancelled Origins Online in the wake of the backlash. As a Latinx designer and publisher, I was deeply hurt and frustrated to watch Gamma's staff and board make these mistakes on these important issues. I know our industry can do better, and I was shocked to see the cascade of failures that led to Origins Online's cancellation. There are times in which I doubt that I am truly welcome as a professional in our industry, and I had hoped Gamma would never give me reason to question my inclusion. That's some pretty strong and pretty damning words there. 
and this restructure I really hope is a, a good change in the and a step in the right direction uh, because that change needs to come from the top or it won't happen at all and we at Brainwaves are guilty of this as well we, we said we will do our best and I feel we've let ourselves down right now I'm sorry I just want to say I'm sorry we have let you down we are going to do better yeah we're doing our best to sort of get a, a more diverse representation on people we interview games we play that kind of thing as well but yeah and I'd love to get I still love to get a third chair on the cast who is not a white male that'd be great but we're still seeking that out at the moment so if you'd like to get in touch with us and come on the cast and like provide a different viewpoint on the news of the day we'd love to hear from you please do get in touch because we would still love a third person on the, on the cast who is not white male i'm really That'd boring great. so Ian, ian's looking for yeah, me more too. interesting to talk to <laughs> yeah but that's basically it yeah i mean i'm just bored of looking at him it's just uh <laughs> yeah now gamma was in charge of the origins game fair now it's on to more convention news with one closer to home with a very recent statement by the UK Games Expo. With that, we have Ian. Indeed. So, UK Games Expo, which is the big convention that happens in Birmingham every year, is currently scheduled for the 31st July to 1st of August. We've previously reported on all the steps that the organisers were taking to keep people safe at the call, including mask wearing, sanitation, and requiring a negative lateral flow test to attend. Well, that's all out the window now. An update from the 6th of July to the convention's COVID requirements has changed the lateral flow test requirement to only being a recommendation and they will not check the test and that UK Games Expo will not require face masks to be worn. Now, admittedly, this is in response to the UK government, well, the Westminster government at least, basically dropping all COVID restrictions from the 19th of July. That has not been confirmed by Westminster as yet, but there will be a press conference on the 12th of July and pretty much everyone is expecting that to be the case. There'll be no restrictions at all. Now, the original version of this, posted, as I said, posted on the 6th of July, also said that UK Games Expo and exhibitors would not require you to wear a mask. The version that is currently on the site states that UK Games Expo alone will not require you to wear a mask, but that exhibitors in their own stall can require it. The sudden change in policy has led to much consternation amongst exhibitors and attendees, and we know several companies have now pulled out, including Hub Games, Plastic Soldier Company, and Bad Skodo Games, and we expect more to say the same. Gen Con, the biggest uh, convention in the States, happening in Indianapolis every year, has also updated its COVID policies, saying that it will insist on you wearing a mask if you're unvaccinated, and that they will enforce this policy. Attendees can get a wristband to show their vaccinated status if they have proof. Not to be left behind, Essen, the biggest convention in the world and based in Germany, has also jumped on the COVID updates and it is maintaining a full social distance mask policy in line with the German government and local area guidelines. The UK Games Expo thing just, to me, feels like a bit of abandonment of responsibilities. Yes, the UK Westminster has said that it is dropping all COVID restrictions all social distance requirements all mask requirements in scotland we're not exactly sure what's going to happen there yet though the scuttlebutt is that there will be still some requirement for mask wearing in shops and, and that kind of thing but we don't know as yet but to me like uk games expo could have phrased this differently they could have said look we know that it's not a legal requirement 
we still think that masks are a good idea. We would encourage you to wear some. We can't insist on the lateral flow test or anything like that anymore. But the whole tone of it is basically setting up confrontation between exhibitors and attendees. If some exhibitors are insisting on mask wearing and some aren't, that's just going to cause problems. It is. I, I've been in retail for a year and a half in a pandemic. I, I, I work in a bike shop so we could stay open. And I've had some confrontations and I had to ask people to wear masks and people don't wear masks properly after a year and a half. It, it, it's just It's just a thing. And if you set up an environment such that there's going to be confrontation, there's going to be some. It really feels like Games Expo has dropped the ball on this one. They could have just said, they could have just been a bit more supportive of those who want to still maintain social distancing and mask requirements. And I really feel like they've let the exhibitors down on this one. Your thoughts, Jamie? Don't really have much to add other than I'm still just kind of glad that I decided not to go. Yeah, me too. Which is sad, which is sad because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad because... I do enjoy it as as a social event, um, mm. among, among most of it. Um, what am I trying to say? As as a social event, uh, alongside seeing new games and being part of a community that I've felt kind of isolated from. I I can assume a lot of people may be feeling the same way, but feeling very isolated over the last eighteen months. Let me put it this way: I just don't trust people, and going. You don't, you know, you should take a lateral flow test. We won't check, but we, we hope you will. Too cynical? Yeah. Too cynical, yep. Ian? I don't, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. Absolutely not. No, I, I really feel they've, they've dropped the ball. And from a few industry people I've spoken to, they're all feeling a bit kind of confused and wondering what to do. And a little bit abandoned, the ones I've spoken to. Yeah. It's just, it's... It's just not good. Sorry, if, anyway, sorry, Jamie. Sorry if you were looking for fire from me, uh, my dear listeners. Uh, sorry, I, I've I've had my fire burnt out for uh, for a while, but I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll stoke it up, nice and hot for the next big thing to set me off. I'll be fine. Don't yeah, worry. I'll I'll make sure to get angry for the next one. <laughs> anyway, Jamie, let's go on to the news. And a few updates first on a, well, on a couple of stories. Yes. So you may remember in March or April of this year, uh, I've even forgotten which, I think it's April, that the Suez Canal, one of the major shipping routes of the world, was blocked by a ship 400 metres long called the Ever Given, which got wedged sideways for about a week. Now, that has been sitting in port, basically, in Egypt since it got freed. Now, a deal has been struck in order for it to move again. We don't know if there are crates containing board games on board the Ever Given, because we don't know its cargo manifest. But, if there are board games on it, it means that they're making their way to, I assume, Europe and or America. Just remember, everyone, there is a major shipping crisis worldwide, so please be kind. Don't send death threats to people. This is a tricky time. Heck, cardboard, due to people hoarding it, is really hard to come by. <laughs> and it's going to be expensive to print board games, which are, surprise, surprise, made of mainly cardboard, most of them. So, not to mention the increase in shipping containers and all sorts of weirdness that's going on in the global shipping industry. So yeah, as Jamie says, be kind. Or I'll get you. 
I'll, or you'll get me angry and you won't like me when I'm angry. I'll, I'll write a, I'll, I'll think strongly about writing, I'll think, no, no, I don't, uh, writing, no, I'll think about writing a strongly worded tweet uh, or message and then I'll go, no, I'll be fine. But, ooh. Moving on from, moving on from, from global shipping. To another update about uh, a little tussle that's been going on, reported, I believe, last time, between Dr. Reiner Knizia and Grail Games. Reiner Knizia alluded to a breach of contract with Grail Games that had led to his titles being removed from their catalogue. Not, as stated by Grail Games, that they hadn't sold well. Well, more information has now emerged, and as promised, here's our update. The website TechRaptor spoke to one of Knizia's representatives, who said that the breach involved Grail Games selling games into territories they were not licensed for. This included Germany, France, Belgium, Spain, Brazil, Portugal, Japan, China, and Taiwan. Basically, his games are under contract to other publishers in those territories, and Grail Games broke said contract by selling there. The rep also said, These matters will be brought before courts to put an end to the ongoing infringements. And we're still to hear back from Grail Games at this time, and to our knowledge, they've not put out a statement. Well, this escalated quickly. Indeed, yeah, we'll have to see what comes of this, because we don't really know much of the details of any potential court battle, so yeah. I mean, I know Reiner Knizia controls his properties quite tightly, and basically has a company that quite effectively does that for him, uh, run by him. Uh, so yeah, we'll see exactly what happens there. Who knows? Ian, there's a crime out there, a dirty, malicious crime, and there's only one pair brave enough to stand in their way and do something about it, we assume, maybe, hope, um, I don't know. Yes, indeed, listeners, it's a detective series coming in the summer that you didn't know you wanted. Amazon and Asmodee are hooking up to fight board game crime. In the dim and distant past, we have covered the rise of counterfeiting of board games, mostly happening through the global retailer Amazon. Well, now Asmodee and Amazon are teaming up to try and put a stop to this by starting with an individual called Samuel Katz, trading under Crazy Leaf and Gig Trading Incorporated. These two companies have been selling counterfeit copies of two old expansions to the Dixit game. These were being sold by Amazon when Asmodee placed a test order in December of 2019. The counterfeits varied from the authentic in three ways. Lacking vibrancy of the images, different fonts and alignments, and different colours. The legal complaint includes claims for trademark infringement, false designation of origin, and false advertising. Amazon established a counterfeit crimes unit last year to pursue cases such as this one. So it just remains to be seen whether this is this just a drop in the ocean or is it the start of something actually important that'll help board game retailers and board game publishers actually sell games through Amazon without fear of being counterfeited. What do you think, Jamie? I hope it does something good because... Counterfeit board games is uh, is rubbish. Sorry, this sounds yeah. this sounds really non-committal, and it's like let's let's just hope it works. There's nothing really much I really want to add to this. No, yeah, we we hope that they can actually you know properly persecute someone who's doing uh, who is counterfeiting goods, and that actually something comes of it because then maybe we'll see a bit less of it. As much as I don't want to, as much as I don't want to root for, you know hyper wealthy amazon taking over everyone's entire lives but uh yeah just just stamp out that counterfeit stuff it's not needed and talk about rooting for things jamie oh man that was a good link oh 
Sorry. It's like I'm a professional or something. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, big me, Potato me Games, purveyor of party games, small plushy potatoes, and lovely vans at conventions, which sadly we're not going to see for a wee while, is known for eye-catching campaigns and making their way into what some may regard as the mainstream of popular culture. They're doing this by letting people bring in old games for money off Big Potato products. Those games will then go on to community clubs. Laura Crumbly and Hannah Cornish of Big Potato have been quoted as saying, We wanted to do something to support our fantastic independent stores who've been forced to shut up shop for the best part of a year. With the great board game trade-in, that's what they're calling it, we can help drive footfall to the store whilst giving board games to organisations that really need them. Now this promotion, the great board game trade-in, will last until the end of August 2021. So check with your local retailer if they're participating. Now I'm going to immediately say I think this is great. Yeah. Great. It's uh, a degree of, yeah, it's recycling. And I hope it proves successful because hopefully then it will be extended, uh, or if not extended, then brought back in the same or a slightly different shape or form. Because I think a lot of people have board games sitting there going, I haven't played this for ages. I want to get rid of it. And a lot of games from Big Potato are really enjoyable, and I would highly recommend it. And it's it's giving you know the games that you might not play to people who will. Great. Yeah, they're supporting local communities. Yeah, it, it seems like a good thing. Hopefully something comes of it. And yeah. Also, can I just say that Crumbly and Corner sounds like a fantastic, you know, ITV or Channel 4 detective document, uh, detective series. Like, I th- I'm thinking midday kind of time. What, you just don't think they're good enough for uh, for BBC One or BBC Two? Disappointing, Ian. I'd had, I had high hopes for you, Ian. Oh, mate, <laughs> mate, too late. Too late. Move on, move on. You know, you're not going to make top dollar with those kind of comments. But I will make top dollar, Jamie, if I am a card grading company. So we've reported many times in the last year on the massive boom in the value of Pokemon cards. And this is having a knock-on effect on the value of the companies that grade those cards with the Certified Collectibles Group valued at around $500 million, or £362 million. According to Max Spiegel, CEO of CCG, it's called CCG as well. Yeah, well, How cool well, is that? Well, they are the Certified Collectibles Group, or CCG, which is... Amazing. I mean, you kind of hope... You hope that's deliberate, you, right? You kind of <laughs> hope that's deliberate, but also you kind of hope that's an absolutely wonderful accident. They're like, oh, these yeah. games, what are they called? Collectible card games or CCGs. Well, we're CCG... Oh my goodness, it was a match made in heaven. Anyway, according to Max Spiegel, CEO of CCG, they've received over a million cards since November. Most of their shares were bought by the Blackstone Group, a company that usually deals in real estate. And this just goes to show that companies that are board game adjacent are starting to attract some really big investors. I mean, it's likely this bubble is going to burst at some point, because as we've spoken about before, a lot of it has been buoyed up by sort of influencers and people really getting into Pokemon and, and basically sort of pushing that on Twitch and various other channels. And it, It's likely this will dampen down at some point, but for now, these companies are seeing massive demand and we've reported on before how they're, they're seeking new staff and they're trying to expand just to deal with the sheer number of cards they're getting in. It's just astonishing the, the levels they're seeing now. There were, yeah, but I remember we did cover that people are now, their waiting list for card grading is months yeah, so years. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, th- this is this is just just some gangbuster stuff. Absolutely. 
And talking about people who are gangbusters, we'd like to thank all our patrons for continuing to support the cast, especially Sean Newman, our executive producer from the Game A Lot team. We'll put links to all of Sean's output in the show notes. You can support us through a variety of methods. You can find that on the site under support us. And if you have a look at Metallic Dice Games, you can get some very nice metal dice or dice adjacent products with the code ROLL with brains, all capital letters, all one word. We get a little cut and you get a little bit of a discount. Before we get out of here and Jamie goes to the inevitable Monopoly news, uh, I'd just like to make a little announcement that I'm going to be taking a wee break from writing. I haven't really been playing games very much over the last few months and I'm kind of run dry for things to write about. And I'd rather put out good content than any just any content. I don't believe in just putting things out there for the sake of putting them out. So I'm basically going to take the rest of July off uh so you won't be seeing much writing from me on the site i'll still be writing i'm going to try and get ahead of myself a little bit for when august comes around so i've actually got some things to put on the site i'm finally getting some groups back together to play some games that i've got for review so yeah you'll be seeing more from me over uh, the rest of the year but for july i'm basically taking the month off from writing we'll still still be doing the podcast of course reporting on the industry warts and all as we always do uh, but yeah, just I won't be putting out any written work until August at the earliest. That might change depending on like if I get groups together quicker and they get through some review copies quicker. But yeah, planning to take most of the rest of July off. But we'll be I'll be back writing in August at the latest. Anyway, Jamie, let's get out of here finally with some more delicious monopoly news yes now i'm gonna start with taking your mind back to to last year 2020 uh if you'll if you'll bear with me uh now one of the hits of the early pandemic bear with me i see what you did there completely unintentional i assure you listeners one of the hits of the early pandemic was animal crossing new horizons on the nintendo switch Simple game of village curation, talking to animal friends, taking paintings that may or may not be forgeries, and completing your museum collection. You know, that it helped people around the globe. It took their mind off it and focused their mind on how to best get K.K. Slider to their village and, and get them to play those tunes that are just so, so cool. But this is the board game industry we're talking about. Not talking about video games, although sort of, because there is an Animal Crossing New Horizons edition of Monopoly that has been found on store shelves in America. The reason I'm saying it like this is because Hasbro, at the time of recording anyway, has not made any official announcements as to its release. The game is four-player only, I'm afraid, but it includes four rather nice villager models, and players will be spending bells to buy gubbins from Tom Nook's shop, that protection racket-having raccoon. Now, properties are replaced by resources, which players will be able to trade in uh, using cards for Nook Miles. Now, the winner is the person who has the most Nook Miles, uh, and the game actually has a defined ending, which is the seventh item bought from the Nook shop, uh, rather than, you know, everyone apart from one person declaring bankruptcy and probably several vendettas being sworn. Wow. Yeah, um, it looks very nice, but Animal Crossing's got that very nice kind of soft palette and uh, very nice. Uh, but I wonder I wonder what the situation was regarding the marketing. Now, was it potentially that they they, they, they 
forgot. I doubt they forgot. Was it there was a mix-up? Uh, I doubt that. Was it possibly that they did it sneakily? Like they Maybe just went... it's been released before it's been announced. That does happen sometimes. It it could be. It could be that they're kind of doing sneakily doing it, going, well, you know, we didn't tell anyone about this, but here it is. Look, we use we use word of mouth because we all know how important word of mouth is. But look, Jamie, talking yes. about games that will yes. consume your life. Yes. Uh, you may recall that last year, Days of Wonder released the small World of Warcraft, right? I, uh, a collaboration I with Blizzard Entertainment, purveyor, uh, makers of the massively successful multi-massive player online game World of Warcraft. I, I, I'm alongside many other things, but uh, they're now part of Activision Blizzard, but don't get me started on Activision Blizzard. Yeah, that's a whole different story. Mm. And also probably a different cast. Yeah, that's Rage Waves. Get, get ready for my new podcast, Rage Waves, in which I just get angry about things. That's where all uh, Jamie's anger's gone, just yeah. into that cast. Yep. So, but now we've got Zedman are releasing a Blizzard collaboration game. This time it's World of Warcraft meets Pandemic. Uh, and while information is a little scarce right now, limited to a teaser video, we know it'll be released this year and be set in Northrend, the northernmost continent on Azeroth, where most of World of Warcraft's action takes place. Frostborn hungers. Can you defeat the dreaded Lich King or will you fall to his power? Reads the tagline. Expect a plastic Lich King model, plastic zombies replacing diseases, and heroic leaders for you to inhabit. Now, I've I, I've never done... I've never done World of Warcraft like some kind of drug. I've never played World of I Warcraft. Mean, you're not or, entirely wrong. Or I don't actually think I've played any Blizzard games. Oh, interesting. But, I uh, mean, yeah, I mean, I've played World of Warcraft for quite a bit. I haven't played for quite some time uh i have i basically haven't played the last two big expansions pretty much i I stopped playing a few a few years ago i know i know i know that there have been you know warcraft and world of warcraft uh themed board games this isn't this isn't a new thing the collaborations are new fantasy flight games did one uh way back then they'd also did a starcraft one as well so they obviously had some licensing from blizzard at that point and the starcraft one is still very well regarded oh cool uh uh, yeah so yeah more computer game tie-ins well, uh, we'll have to see, because obviously it seems like there's going to be more World of Warcraft-themed board games. We wonder what's next. Some of the big ones. I don't know. Carcassonne, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, I don't speculate. If you've got any ideas, drop us a tweet or something like that. But I'll tell you how to contact us. Thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out, share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. Now, you can also follow us on Discord, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook website which is giantbrain.co.uk or drop us an email at giantbrainuk at gmail.com look after yourselves everybody thank you very much and we'll see you next time bye bye awesome